You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. The world is filled with many questions, such as, did giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans, and that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world? How serious even is climate change, and when should we start building our rafts? Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Bruna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery Mystery of Everything, Everything, available everywhere you get your podcasts. Are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. Welcome to All Creatures Podcast. Today is going to be an awesome interview as we are talking about the Surf Rider Foundation USA. And this is a grassroots nonprofit environmental organization that works to protect and preserve our world's oceans and beaches. They focus on water quality and basically sustaining the marine life that is found all around coastal waterway systems. And if you are an ocean or lake lover like myself, hopefully this interview will get you excited about protecting our oceans and the animals that inhabit them, and it will give you a toolkit on how you can help. And so my guest today is Pete Stoffer, who is the Environmental Director of Surf Rider Foundation. Hello, Pete. Are you there? I am. Thanks for having me, Angie. Oh, I am so excited to talk about protecting our beaches and our oceans and our lakes. Uh, it's because it's that season right now. It's July and everybody is dying to go to the beach. A lot of us have been in our homes probably a lot more than we would normally want to be. And That's right. so, yeah. yeah, and of course on this podcast we have a lot of animal lovers and marine mm-hmm. animal lovers. And of course, on this podcast, we have a lot of animal or marine animal lovers. So I'm just so happy to have you here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Before we get started and dive into all the amazing things that Surfrider Foundation does, because I've spent like hours on your website. It's it's phenomenal. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely put in our show notes and talk about it towards the end of the podcast so our listeners can check it out. But what is your background? Can you give tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Well, you know, like you said, Angie, I work as the environmental director for Surfrider Foundation, uh, and I live in California. But yay, I California. was born and raised. Yay, California. <laughs> yeah, I was Chris born Mike. and raised in oh. New England. Yeah. So um, it's oh, been we a, have a, a yeah full circle. My uh, my podcast partner Chris is out in California, mm-hmm. in Orange County. 
And we go to New England all the time because my husband's from Boston. Oh, great. Yeah. So I was born and raised in New England and sort of had this affinity for the beach and the ocean as a young kid. So that sort of set the course for my life. You know, what I studied in school, the summer jobs I had, and ultimately was lucky enough to develop a career in ocean conservation. Um, but, you know, to, to summarize briefly, I've worked as a lifeguard, I've worked as a boat captain, uh, I've worked as a marine educator, an activist, and worked for the federal government in fisheries management. So, you know, I, I had sort of an amazing journey, but, um, you know, I definitely have my dream job with the Surfrider Foundation. Oh, I can only imagine. And so do you have a favorite story about an interaction you had on the beach or maybe a summer job or something that really helps set the gears in motion? Yeah, you know, probably one of the most interesting jobs I've had was uh, I worked as a boat captain for a whale watching company. Awesome. And this was in Hawaii. And it was amazing because you'd go out every day and see some of the largest and most intelligent animals on the planet do their thing. Um, humpback whales, they're, you know, massive animals. They're uh, incredibly intelligent. And they come to Hawaii to mate and calve. So you see the males will uh, jockey for position and compete for the females. Uh, you see the female moms who have these very young calves who they're protecting. And, you know, what an opportunity to be able to take people out, you know, on the ocean and see these animals and learn about them. So that was, uh, I think, for me, a really formative experience to develop that appreciation uh, for the ocean. Oh, yes, Pete. I've I've been blessed one time in my life to, uh, to be on the big island of Hawaii and see the migration. And I wasn't even on a boat. We were just on the beach. So you could still see them breaching. I mean, they weren't even that far off ashore. And it was, is breaching the right word? Yeah, yeah. And they jump up out of the water. Yeah. Dramatic. Yeah, you can yeah. see the, yeah, you can see them jumping up. And it was just, I mean, life changing. It was just so incredible. I, I still, that's one of my happy spots I go to in my, in my mind when I need to, because it's just, like you said, it, it really, really solidifies just how incredible and mysterious and special our oceans are and, uh, or lakes for that matter. I grew up on Lake Michigan and that's, that was all of my happy childhood spending hours in the sand and on the surf and in the water. And so I'm a huge, huge fan of our waterways. And so with that being said, for those of us that, of course, love the water and love the beaches, I'm sure most people are aware that there is a plastic pollution crisis. Our, waters, mm -hmm. our waterways are struggling. Uh, so could you touch on a little bit about what is happening in our oceans and, and how bad is the problem of plastic pollution or basically just water quality in general? Yeah, sure. Um, plastic pollution is a huge problem in our ocean right now. And it's sort of like there's this spigot of, you know, tons of plastic that enter our ocean every year. And uh, it's just accumulating and it causes all kinds of problems. Um, you know, the latest estimates are 8 million tons of plastic a year, uh, most of from land-based sources. So 
The problem is that plastics don't biodegrade. So once that plastic goes in the ocean, uh, animals can get entangled in it. Uh, animals can mistake it for food and choke on it. Uh, but even more than that, plastic is sort of becoming the base of the food chain because these plastic particles will break down into smaller pieces, but they never go away. So it's actually replacing uh, plankton at sort of the base of the food layer. And, you know, that causes all kinds of problems. It's, it's empty calories. These plastic particles can aggregate toxins and that gets concentrated up the food web. So, you know, it's an enormous global problem. But, you know, the good news is all of us can help solve that problem. Um, and, you know, certainly that starts with our choices that we make, you know, the products that we choose, of course, the laws and policies that we support or don't support. And, uh, you know, just sort of applying that sort of thinking to our everyday life uh, is what it's going to take to to sort of reverse that that trend. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, most of our listeners are huge fans of all, all creatures, right? Whether they're mm-hmm. in the ocean or the lake or on land. But if there are people out there, maybe friends and family members of our audience, where they don't really care much about the oceans or aren't concerned about the plastic pollutions or the water quality, what would you say to encourage them otherwise that we should want to protect our oceans and coastlines? Yeah, you know, our oceans, they're important for so many reasons. So, you know, I think for you and me, it sort of starts off with just that love for the marine environment, for wildlife, for the the beauty and the splendor of it all. But our oceans are important for so many other reasons. Um, The food that we eat, the oxygen that we breathe, uh, you know, the recreation. I mean, who doesn't enjoy going to the beach? And no one wants to go to the beach and see a bunch of trash or see dead dead animals. Sure, yeah. It's even even really important for our economy, you know, uh, coastal communities and businesses that, that all depend on a healthy ocean. So really all of us have a stake in, in protecting the ocean. Yeah. I mean, here in Florida, I think just last year, some of the beaches were closed because of the algal, algal blooms. And yeah, yeah. so, I mean, that was sad for all the people that couldn't go and enjoy those beaches on the Gulf Coast during that time. But it was a huge economic hit to the the people that work up and down the coastline that have the restaurants and the shops and all of that. And so I know a lot of people now are experiencing similar hardships due to the pandemic. And so anything we can pre- do to prevent any economic catastrophes, I would say we should encourage that, right? And the oceans collapsing or other waterways being poisoned is definitely not good for the normal public that wants to go enjoy them, but even worse on the economic dollar, I always say. Yeah, so many different reasons why to protect our oceans. So yeah, whether it's environmental, economic, social, all of it, it all it all ties together. And so, Pete, with that being said, can you give our audience a little backgrounder on Surfrider Foundation and how you came to work for them? Yeah. So Surfrider Foundation is a grassroots environmental group. Uh, We were started in 1984 by a group of surfers, and they were concerned about the destruction of their local surfing break. So they decided to organize and sort of work together and 
and they realized that if they organized themselves, they could have an impact and, you know, really affect positive change. So, you know, fast forward about 35 years and Surfrider is now international. You know, here in the United States, we have chapters and clubs all across the country. Uh, We do everything from beach cleanups to water quality testing to local campaigns and partnerships. So, uh, you know, I was attracted to Surfrider because, you know, I just wanted to do something positive. And I think for a lot of people, it's sort of that same story. Um, You know, they get involved, they sign up to volunteer because they care about the ocean. But you look at these problems, you know, whether it's plastic pollution, whether it's harmful algal blooms, and you're like, what can I do as one person? But if you get involved with Surfrider or another group, you feel like you can have an impact because you can organize, you know, our our programs and our campaigns and, you know, we can get more into this, but you can really sort of scale that impact and you can be a, a part of that positive change. And, you know, for me, it's really changed my life. Um, you know, I got involved with Surfrider about 20 years ago as a volunteer and, sort of work my way up. I'm, I'm like the person that started off in the copy room and then they've finally, you know, worked their up to, to be a a national director. And so, um, I'm really grateful to have had that experience because that really informs what I do every day and how I support our network. Awesome. Well, yeah, Pete, let's dive into some of the things your organization does because it really is breathtaking. I mean, it's just so fascinating. And so you mentioned briefly that you have a network of volunteers and chapters that mm-hmm. help your foundation's mission. So how many chapters are there and what what does that entail? Yeah, you know, we have about uh, 170 chapters and clubs across the country. So they're organized from coast to coast you know, from Puerto Rico to Washington State to Hawaii to Maine. And it's just regular people that care about the coast and the ocean, that want to do something positive. Um, And some of our most popular programs, uh, we have, of course, our beach cleanup program. So pretty much every chapter and club in our network does uh, beach cleanups. Great way to keep the beach clean. Great way to educate people about the impacts of plastic. Uh, we of course do water quality testing. So we have over 50 labs across the country, uh, collecting water samples and reporting that information out. Uh, and then we have over a hundred campaigns. So at any given time, you know, surf riders waging campaigns, whether it's city council or state legislature or even Congress, you know, trying to get our elected leaders to make decisions that will benefit our coasts and ocean. And so as a volunteer, you can be involved in all of those parts, the beach cleanup, the campaigns, any everything like that? Yeah. And, you know, that was something that really appealed to me is this idea that Surfrider's mission is really broad. And as a volunteer, you can say, well, you know, I really want to organize beach cleanups, or I really want to organize fundraisers, or maybe you're the kind of person that wants to testify in front of city council, or you know, maybe you have a science background or a social media background. And so, you know, we get incredibly qualified people that, uh, that want to volunteer for the organization. And, 
you know, it's really a credit to them of, of all the great work that Surfrider does. Yeah, I was super happy to see that there's so many campaigns in Florida, the state that mm-hmm. I live in, yeah. from the first coast to the sun coast, of course, Florida Keys, all throughout the counties in Miami and north uh, north of there. And so it's very exciting. And then I dug a little deeper and there is a chapter in Northern Michigan as well. And I'm from Michigan. So great. yeah, yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. we're not forgetting about the lakes, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, I would love to see a chapter hint, hint to any of my friends listening in Southwest Michigan uh, or the Chicago area. I've got a lot of buddies there uh, back from my zookeeping days. So that would be cool to get some of that stuff started. And of course, California is, there's, a ton of them, uh, which is awesome. Because Chris, my co-host, he can represent us out on the West Coast and maybe do some beach cleanups and organize some of that. So we are definitely hoping to get ourselves and of course, some of our listeners involved. And there's no better time of year than the summer time to be outside and helping protect our waterways, right? And the beaches that uh, we love to enjoy. And, And as you said, doing it in a way where you're not alone. There's definitely comfort in number and support in numbers. And so I think that that's together, we really can make a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. And you mentioned some of the campaigns. Uh, Can you describe some of them more specifically? Like I saw one off the coast of Florida where it was trying to implement a decision to not allow balloon releases on the beach. Yeah, yeah. And I'll say, you know, we sort of work across a few broad areas. So mm-hmm. clean water, plastic pollution, uh, ocean and coastal protection, uh, beach access for all people. So every campaign that we engage in sort of fits in one of those categories. So, you know, in the case of balloons, balloons can be very harmful to turtles or other kinds of marine life. Again, they're a form of plastic. They don't go away in the environment. So uh, we have been, you know, in the case of intentional balloon releases, um, asking both uh, city councils as well as state legislatures to ban the intentional release of balloons, which is sort of a popular thing that people used to do to celebrate, you know, occasions or things like that. But, you know, people don't understand the impact it may have on the marine environment. So, you know, getting a policy like that passed, not only does that help prevent balloons going into the ocean, but it's also sort of a way to educate people about sort of that impact. Absolutely. And I just love that your organization, the Surfrider Foundation, puts our opinions and our ideals into action. Uh, because so many times I'll be scrolling on social media and I'll have friends say like, oh, don't release balloons because it, there's a picture of an animal with the, you know, with the, the balloon around its neck or the balloon string around its neck, which is horrible. But then what do you do with that? I feel so helpless. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to release a balloon, but that's just one person. And so that's where I love the ideas of your campaigns that are actually putting our ideas of things as, as a as a member of the public that cares so much about my environment and my water and ocean and of course the animals that we can actually make positive changes potentially, or at least, or at least try. Right. I mean, that's yeah, all you can yeah. do. Right. I mean, so that is just so incredible. And, and you mentioned a second ago, Pete, about different campaigns to foster diversity and make the beach enjoyable for 
everyone, super inclusive. So mm-hmm. can you discuss some of the ways that Surfrider Foundation is committed to making beaches and waterways diverse and inclu- inclusive as possible? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, as you noted, part of our mission, it's not just protecting the environment, but it's protecting that access, you know, protecting those opportunities for all people. And so, you know, part of what we do is try and remove those physical barriers. So if there's sort of an impediment for the public to be able to access the coastline, you know, that should not be there. We believe beaches are are a public resource. But there are also other types of barriers to enjoying the beach. You know, some of those are economic or social or, you know, certain populations don't have those same opportunities. And so, you know, we've sort of over the past decade, a lot of our chapters and clubs have really ramped up those efforts, sort of partnerships to bring uh, underserved uh, youth that may not have the opportunity to visit the beach, uh, to give them that opportunity to come to the beach and and, you know, sort of experience that. And, you know, really the, the concept of environmental justice, I mean, this is so important in everything that not just that Surfrider does, but any environmental group, because, you know, all too often those impacts of pollution or, or development, those are felt disproportionately on Absolutely. people of color, yes. on underserved communities. And so, it is really important for us um, as environmental activists to, you know, to build those types of partnerships to, you know, foster that that diversity and, and inclusion within our own network. So, you know, this is something we've been working on for a number of years at, at Surfrider. And, you know, there's a lot of different pieces to it, but it informs sort of everything from the issues that we take on to how we try and partner with allies to, um, you know, to how we sort of further diversify our staff and our board. And so all those things are really critical pieces for the environmental movement to succeed. And, you know, I think we've seen, you know, certainly in, in recent weeks with the national conversation around uh, racial injustice, you know, all of us have a really important role to play in that. And that certainly implies to the environmental community, for sure. Absolutely. Yes. No, we definitely appreciate all you do for that because it really, really is an important time to have a voice and to definitely promote, like you said, uh, racial equality and environmental justice. Uh, The oceans and beaches and waterways are for everyone and we all will fail as a society if they fail. So we need to be in it together. And coming from a background, of course, of animals and loving animals, I think making sure that everyone has access to learn about animals or even visit a zoo or have a zoo come to their schools. And I just love the fact how you mentioned is, you know, getting underserved communities to the beach and really enjoying it. And if the youth can have that aha moment of being on the water or being at a beach or swimming with their friends, family, uh, that those are the moments that connect you and you want to then take part further steps to help protect them. And so uh, I know that that's how it often works with animals and science and things like that. And so, yeah, get getting as many people to enjoy the beaches and oceans and all water as safely as possible should be community's number one priority. And just super high five to you guys for doing that. So, uh, But also speaking kind of of current times and things that are happening in real time, 
How has uh, COVID-19 impacted your organization? A variety of ways. Um, gosh, and, you know, I don't know if, if really any of us could have fully prepared for this, but, um, you know, Surfrider runs a lot of in-person events, our beach cleanups, our water quality testing. And, you know, this spring when sort of that national and state guidance came out to shelter in place, we suspended a lot of our programs. Um, you know, we felt like we need to put the public health of, of our volunteers and other citizens uh, first. And so, you know, we shut those programs down um, for a couple months. And now we're in sort of a reopening phase. So, you know, what we're encouraging folks to do now is solo beach cleanups. So if you go to surfrider.org, you can get sort of a toolkit of how to do your own beach cleanup. Uh, you know, we have a, a set of detailed protocols for reopening our water quality labs that I won't bore you with, but um, <laughs> it is, you know, sort of balancing how do you, you know, protect public health with, you know, reopening these important programs. And perhaps even more interestingly, we've seen this really interesting intersection between COVID-19 and what Surfrider works on. So beach access, right? So a huge part of Surfrider is protecting the, the public's ability to enjoy the beach. Well, if you have a public health pandemic and the public health experts say, don't go to the beach, you know, we're going to support that message. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, but we also want to be part of the solution as well. So, you know, about a month ago, we convened an expert task force of people from public health, people from coastal management, people from environmental justice to develop sort of some recommendations for how do you safely reopen beaches. So if the goal is to give folks the opportunity to visit the beach, but we also want to protect public health, you know, how do we do that? And so, you know, we have a report on on Surfrider's website. I, I think the key takeaway was, you know, it needs to be a combination of good policy, but also just sort of individual accountability. So and frankly, this is something that uh, communities in both Florida and California are struggling with, right? Absolutely, yeah. Because, yes. you know, we have seen beaches reopen, which is a good thing, but we're also seeing numbers go up as well. And, you know, when I go to the beach, I do see large groups of people. I do see people, you know, interacting and, and maybe not, you know, taking all the precautions that six necessary. foot distance. And so. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's there's elements of both that. And, you know, if we collectively, if we don't sort of get our act together, you know, we're going to have future beach closures. And more importantly, we're going to see those uh, infections continue to increase. Right. No, nobody wants that. Trust right. me, I have a I have a kid that needs to go to first grade this fall. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we can get things under control here in Florida. But now all jokes aside, uh, Pete, there is a ton of really critical PPE that's saving people's lives across the nation, across the world. Uh, and it's really important, right, to prevent infection. But a lot of that PPE, that personal protective equipment is ending up in our waterways. And so do you have any suggestions or solutions on what just an individual person or collectively as a group, things that we can do to minimize how many gloves and disposable face masks and things like that end up in our oceans? 
Yeah. I, I mean, I guess the most important thing is dispose of it properly. So if you are going to use single-use masks or gloves, you know, after you're done with them, you know, make sure that you put them in a, a trash receptacle and, and, you know, certainly don't leave them on the beach or leave them on the ground. You know, generally when it comes to plastic, Surfrider's viewpoint is, number one, you want to reduce. So just don't use it in the first place and then try and reuse or recycle you know, when it comes to sort of uh, public health and, and depending on sort of the, the application of some of these different things, you may not be able to use it. So, you know, I have my own face mask. This is not for, I don't work in the medical profession. This is just something that I wear around if I have to go to the grocery store or something. And that's uh, reusable. I can throw it in, in the laundry and things like that. Actually, I had a uh, a nice girl from our neighborhood, she makes them and, and passes awesome. them out. So, you know, then again, if you're using, you know, if you have a reason to use sort of the medically sanctioned, you know, gloves and things like that, then, you know, in some cases, those things cannot or should not be reused. So, yeah. Yes, no, that is true. Um, and we found that uh, actually boiling our cloth face masks is a great way to disinfect them with minimizing the amount of water we use because I don't necessarily need to do a full load of laundry every day, but we do need to wash the masks that have been out and about. So yeah. That's a great lots, tip. Yeah. 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 That's my husband's. I'd like to take yeah. credit for it. But, uh, <laughs> and now for our listeners out there, what are some of the best ways that they can get involved and help out the Surfrider Foundation and all the awesome things you guys do? Yeah, you know, a lot of ways. Um, I mean, obviously, you can become a member of Surfrider. You know, that was the first step for me 20 years ago. Uh, you can find a local chapter, or local club in your area. You know, we do have, I mean, not in every community, but you know, our network continues to grow. Uh, Florida, where you live, I think we're up to 11 chapters throughout the state. So yay, Florida. Yeah. Awesome. And they have, you know, ongoing activities and events and, and programs. Um, and, you know, some of these things you can do yourself. So, you know, we have great resources on surfrider.org, not just how to do a solo beach cleanup, but how to install an ocean friendly garden. You know, you were talking about the harmful algal blooms. Where does that come from? That comes from nutrients that are entering the water. So, you know, ocean-friendly gardens is sort of a way to be part of the solution. So there are all these sort of actions that, that you can take either as part of a chapter or a club or just on your own, you know, to help protect the coast. Well, yeah. And participating, whether it's just a little bit or a lot, and volunteering mm -hmm. your time, I think, for me personally, is such a great way to benefit your from your own personal growth to even your resume. And so for any students out there that might want to create a student club that haven't yet or that want to participate in one or people just in general that don't necessarily have to be students, what are some of the benefits? What do what do what do they get out of it besides obviously protecting the oceans? Yeah, you know, our student clubs, they have just uh grown dramatically. I think in less than a decade, we've gone from, you know, one student club to nearly a hundred. So um, the interest has been incredible. And, you know, I think it's a couple things. It's, it's a chance to um, do something positive for the coast and the ocean. 
Uh, it's a chance to work with great people. Um, Surfrider tends to attract people that are really positive, sort of can-do uh, personalities. Um, and obviously, it's a chance to get great experience. So, you know, as a student, maybe you're thinking about a career in ocean conservation, or maybe you want to do something completely different. But, you know, almost every employer out there, uh, or if you're applying to college, you know, they're going to look and say, well, what have you done, you know, with your free time? And, and they love to see uh, volunteering. They love to see, um, you know, sort of skill building and, and sort of the types of, of experience that you can gain, you know, volunteering with a group like Surfriders. So, you know, we've seen a lot of people who, whether from our club network or our chapter network, you know, they've gone on to do great things. I mean, they've gone on to work for government. They've gone on to start their own companies or uh, become elected officials or just become real leaders in their community. And, And I know for me, that was certainly the case, just the chance to sort of develop these skills and, and sort of get some great experience under my belt. Yeah, it's all about the people you meet along the path. I know that all the various uh, organizations that I volunteered for and the time that I've been invested, getting to know people is really, really beneficial as far as advice and just uh, helping you speed up your learning curve and, of course, a lot of fun. So, mm-hmm, yeah. yeah, I'm always a, a huge promoter of getting out there and having, like you said, that can-do attitude and like getting your hands wet and dirty. Uh but now for people that are not able to actively volunteer at this time, or perhaps like you said, with some of the beaches being closed on again or off again, what are some other ways that our listeners or other people can take their action from their couch to the oceans or waterways uh, to help the Surfrider Foundation and some of your missions? Yeah. Well, one of the easiest ways is just to become a member of Surfrider Foundation and you know, that, that financial support is really crucial to supporting the organization and, and all the volunteers across the country. Uh, and we also have some very easy ways to get involved with our campaigns. Uh, cool. They're called action alerts, but, you know, a lot of organizations have them. But it's a very simple way to contact your elected officials about something that you care about. So, you know, for example, you know, if you go to surfrider.org and you can go to uh, get involved and, and you can see all these different ways to contact your elected officials, uh, whether it be members of Congress, your state legislators, and we live in a democracy. So, you know, those folks, they, they need to hear from their constituents. They need to hear from you that you care about these issues and, you know, they pay attention to that stuff. Absolutely, yes. And it's and what we can do now with the click of a button or a quick phone call, it really doesn't take that much time. And then you know that you're doing a little something either each day or once a week or once a month or whatever, whatever little bit that you can uh, volunteer your time. And knowing that working with your organization, you're making a big collective difference, which is to me, that's just the key to feeling like you're being the part of something, uh, something greater than yourself. And now, Pete, for students or other people that are interested in a career to help save our ocean and protect our beaches, and of course, the animals that inhabit them, what is your advice? You've been doing this for a while now, and you 
worked your way up and are doing amazing things. So give us some tips, please. Well, I'm biased, but but volunteering for Surfrider is certainly a, a great way to do it. Um, you know, I would say just getting involved. Um, you know, it's probably a given that you're going to study those classes and, you know, take that coursework in school. But I think, you know, to really develop a career, whatever you, you choose to pursue, you know, developing those relationships, uh, volunteering your time, uh, you know, getting just sort of a breadth of experience. And, you know, not only does that sort of give you the background that you would need to develop that career, it also helps you learn is, you know, this is really something that I want to do. Um, you know, I know when I was younger, I, I experimented with different careers and, and, you know, I learned something from everything, but it also taught me what I didn't want to do with my life. And so that's important as well. So, you know, get experience, uh, network, and just, you know, make a contribution. And, um, you know, volunteering is a, a great way to do all that. Yeah. Anytime I've ever volunteered, I, I never feel worse afterwards. I always feel energized yeah. and I've learned a lot and ready for more. And of course, enjoyed contacts for years to follow. So uh, I highly recommend it. And most certainly everyone needs to go to surfrider.org and check out their website. It is beautifully laid out. I spent hours on there just learning and educating myself and navigating through several of their different campaigns. And there's just so much that Surfrider does in your local community. Uh, and then also ways that you can par participate from a distance as well. So it's a beautiful, beautiful website, tons of information in there. Uh, just on the website alone, there were tools of things that I could do as an individual. And so I would also recommend that you follow Surfrider Foundation on all the major social media platforms. Uh, I'm sure, uh, Pete, you're keeping everybody abreast of what's happening. And of course, also make sure and like or follow Surfrider Foundation on Facebook and Instagram and all the major social media platforms to see what campaigns they have going on, how you can get involved and other exciting news and things to follow. And Pete, thank you so much for being here today with All Creatures Podcast uh, and letting us get to know a little about your organization and helping get us excited about reducing our plastics use and protecting our beaches and a toolkit on how we can help. So we really appreciate your time. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you. Yeah. Well, my, my pleasure. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Angie. And yeah, thanks to, to you and all your listeners. Um, yeah and really encourage folks to use this month as an opportunity to reduce your plastic footprint, uh, learn more about ways to get involved, and um, how you can make your voice heard. Oh, yes, Pete. Thank you so much. And definitely check out uh, surfrider.org. And of course, uh, follow us on allcreaturespodcast.com. We are participating in uh, Plastic Free July Eco Challenge. And so you can find instructions on that on any of our major social media platforms or website. But it's super fun. There are prizes and uh, it's a great way to learn more individually about how you can reduce plastics in your household or with your family. So uh, it's, it's a real fun time. We did it last July and, uh, and it was really great to see collectively as a whole, all how all the different individuals and organizations, 
how many tons of plastic we save together as a group. So thank you everyone for listening and thank you, Pete. Take care and uh, surf's up, right? That's right. Yeah. Thank you, Angie. Awesome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Are you looking for a podcast your whole family can enjoy together? Uh-huh. Check out Culture Kids Podcast. Our adventures will ignite your curiosity for culture, traditions, languages, geography, and even pop culture with interviews from guests all over the world. Through each episode, we aim to help children become empathetic, creative leaders in their communities and help them see the beauty in our differences. And that's Culture Kids Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.